0: I'm going to talk about someone who's ready to serve the Lord is somebody who's spirit-filled, filled filled with the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're filled with your own whims, your own desires, your own impetus and energy, and that doesn't last very long. Being filled with the Spirit is a continual process. Paul said, be continually being filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians, the baptism of the Spirit is something that happens as a one-time initiation but then we can always be filled, sort of like your car runs out of gas and you need to take it back to the station periodically to get it refueled. And to be filled with the Spirit, as I see it, there's a lot of analogies you could use, like pouring water into a glass till it overflows, but I prefer to see it like putting a hand in a glove, that the glove by itself can't do any work until the hand is filling it completely and moving that glove around to do the work that it's intended. God created the cow, God said, you must go to the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun, have calves, and give milk to support the farmer. I'll give, a, give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, well, that's kind of a tough life you want me to live for 60 years. Let me have 20 years, and I'll give back the other 40. God agreed. On the second day, God created the dog. God said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10 years and I'll give back the other 10. So God agreed. On the third day, God created the monkey. And God said, entertain people. Do monkey tricks all day long. Make them laugh. I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, how boring. Monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't know. The dog gave you back 10, so that's what I'll do too, okay? And God again agreed. On the fourth day, God created man. And God said, eat, sleep, play, enjoy. Do nothing, just eat. Enjoy and play all day long, and I'll give you 20 years. What, man said? Only 20 years? No way. He said, look, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll take my 20, and the 40 the cow gave you back, and the 10 the dog gave you back, and the 10 the monkey gave you back. That makes 80 years, okay? Okay. Okay, God said, you got a deal. So that's why for the first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, enjoy, and do nothing. For the next 40 years, we slave in the hot sun to support our family. And for the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks and entertain our grandchildren. And for the last 10, we sit in front of the house and bark at everybody. (laughs) Now the truth is, the most exciting life you could ever live is a life of serving the Lord Jesus Christ every day of your life. And the only way that's possible is not in your own strength or commitment or energy, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle said that we must be being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how you picture that. You might picture a glass that you fill with water till it overflows. But I prefer that you think about it like a glove. A glove can't do anything by itself. It's meant to do some work, but only when a hand enters the glove and takes complete control, and that glove is completely, totally filled with the hand, can it do the energy and do the work it's called to do. So, your life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote a letter to the Philippians. He called himself a bond servant, he was ready to serve the Lord. And he wrote to the church at Philippi, who were also fellow servants of the Lord. And he gave to them the secret by which Paul faced life. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen to him. He didn't know if he would be sprung out of jail or he would be executed. But he trusted the Lord and he said this, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer, and here's the secret, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And that means the lavish supply that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now to be ready to serve, to live the Spirit-filled life, Paul gives to them four marks. And you might look at it like a picture frame. You could frame your life with these four sides. The first side is consistency live a consistent lifestyle. The second part of that frame would be unity. You don't walk alone, you don't serve alone, you do it with other people. The third part of that picture frame, call it bravery. Be bold as you're filled with the Spirit. And then the fourth side of that picture frame is a word we don't like to hear, but it's agony. Going through the tough parts of life. This is how Paul puts it. In Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not be in any way terrified by your adversaries. Which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So serving the Lord with the supply of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit filled life, number one, will result in consistency. Paul said, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, the word worthy means a set of scales that has been balanced. In other words, what's on one side of the scales will balance what's on the other side of the scales. For instance, we might say a person is worthy of his pay. What we mean is that his work corresponds to his wages. Or if we say a person is worthy of honor, we mean that his achievement corresponds with the accolades, the things that people say about him. Well, to have your conduct worthy of the gospel is that your practice matches your proclamation. What you do matches what you say. And that's how John the Baptist used it. He called out to a crowd one day and he said, bear fruits that are worthy of repentance, that weigh as much. So it's a call to consistency. If you're called a Christian, live up to the name. There's no better name than to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's consistency. I remember when my son Nate, who's with me today when he was quite young, I hated to discipline him. I don't think any parent loves spanking their child. If he does, there's something wrong with him. But I knew I had to do it. And after I spanked him, I disciplined him. My son, Nate, turned around and looked at me and he said, and you call yourself a Christian. (laughs) You see, even a child knows that if you call yourself a Christian, It has to be real. You can't be a phony. You can't be a hypocrite. Four out of five Americans claim to be Christians. Eighty percent of the American public say they're Christians. They believe in Christ. And 35 percent of them say they are born again Christians. But there seems to be an inconsistency with what people say and what people do about what they say. There was a guy named Luke Goodrich up in San Jose, California. The Associated Press carried this little article. Luke was out in the backyard and he was burning trash, which is against the law. And that little trash fire got out of control and eventually burned 100 acres of land. It took six helicopters and 400 firefighters to put it out. Here's the rub. Luke, at that time was the captain of the San Jose Fire Department. If anyone knew better and shouldn't have done that, it was Luke. John Bunyan once said that a man can be a saint abroad and be a devil at home. Now, when we talk about consistency, it doesn't mean perfection. We all fall. We all need forgiveness. We all need to make recommitments and stands for Christ. But it speaks of Consistency and that comes from being filled with the lavish supply that the Holy Spirit offers. Second is unity. Unity. The Holy Spirit is all about unity. Paul said we should endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And here we notice that Paul says, Stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. We are called in the Bible the body of Christ. Many members, but one head, and that is Jesus. And if Jesus is the head of the body of the church, which he is, then you might see the Holy Spirit as sort of the nervous system, conveying the message from the mind, Christ, To all the different members of the body, so that it operates smoothly and there's a nice, smooth function. But as you know, what the world often sees isn't a smooth body, but one that is fighting each other. Paul the Apostle saw that the church meant teamwork. We all work together. We know that's what the Holy Spirit wants the unity of the Spirit. We know that's what Jesus wants. That's what he prayed. He prayed in John 17, Father, that they may be one, even as we are one, that the world may know that you have sent me. We know the Holy Spirit wants it. We know that Jesus wants it. But we also know that that's the one thing the devil fights against. He wants to divide the body of Christ. His motto is divide and conquer. So he wants to get us fighting the wrong enemy. We're not the enemy. The devil is the real enemy. Too often we take swords out and we have scripture fights and we slice each other up and we beat each other up and we leave ourselves battered and bloody when the real enemy is over in the corner laughing it up. Now, Martin Lloyd-Jones once told a story, a true story. He said that right before the Spanish Civil War, the psychological clinics in Barcelona, Spain, and Madrid were packed full of people. He called them neurotics, getting counseling for personal issues. And and they didn't even have enough space for all of the people who came for personal problems. He said, when the Civil War started, an interesting thing occurred. All of the clinics suddenly emptied out. He said, people were immediately cured by a greater anxiety. In his words, a greater anxiety cured a lesser anxiety. The greater anxiety is, will I have a home to go back to? Will I have a husband who survives the war? Will my son survive? So, what I want to say to you is that if you are prone to disunity, if you're prone to gossip, And meddling and division, you need to get into the real battle, men. The real battle isn't against one another, but it's against the enemy. Let the real battle cure you of the lesser anxiety of the divisions that occur. So, the third thing that Paul speaks about here is bravery bravery. To be filled with the lavish supply, as Paul said, of the Spirit. In life situations will bring a sense of boldness. Listen to what he says, verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Don't let the world scare you. The world would love to intimidate you as a Christian because the world doesn't want you to serve the Lord. The world doesn't want you to be bold. I'll never forget the first day in my zoology class in college. My professor said, how many here are born-again Christians? I was the only one who raised his hand. I think by the way he asked the question, he was hoping nobody would raise their hand. I raised it up thinking, oh good, this guy's a believer. (laughs) That's how naive I was. When I put my hand down, he spent the next 15 minutes talking about how stupid it was to believe in God. And he wanted to make a statement at the very beginning of his course that smart people can't be Christians. He wanted to intimidate us. But being ready to serve the Lord is to be a person who won't be a slave to other people's opinions. As Paul put it in Galatians, if I am still trying to please men, I wouldn't be the servant of Christ. Listen, men, any dead fish can float downstream. You need to be alive and bold and ready to stand up to whatever the world will dish out. And that comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's all over the Bible. Stephen was before the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts. And he stood up against a hostile crowd. And the Bible says, and filled with the Holy Spirit, he spoke. And he said, I saw heaven open and the Lord Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father he was filled with the holy spirit when peter in the book of acts stood up he was filled with the holy spirit and this man who once denied jesus christ after pentecost he preached one of the most powerful messages and the bible says they were cut to the heart so don't be afraid to serve god in a hostile world in fact your witness alone could be something that turns the tide of your generation. I heard a story from antiquity of a a monk, a Syrian monk in A.D. 400 who went into the great Roman Colosseum where there were thousands of people not gathered for Bible study like this, but gathered for entertainment as men were killing men and beasts were killing men. And as the gladiators went to kill one another, this... Syrian monk, so moved, stepped into the arena, ran out onto the sand and waved his arms and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, forbear, stop. The commander ordered that he be run through with a sword and he was killed. And as his blood dripped from his body and flowed onto the sand of the Colosseum, one person stood up and left. Another stood up and left. Tens, twenties, hundreds of people. Eventually, within months, all gladiatorial fights in the Colosseum eventually stopped because one person had the boldness to say that was wrong. And he stood up for his faith. So look at that frame once more, consistency, unity, bravery. And there's a fourth side to this picture frame, and that is agony. Listen to what Paul says. To you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but also to suffer on behalf of Christ. Now, I know we don't like to hear it. And we probably don't share it with new believers who come forward. Hey, guess what? You get to suffer for Christ. Isn't that wonderful? But the first part, believing in him, will guarantee you the second part, suffering for him, eventually. It's a very strong word that the apostle uses. The word conflict is the word agony. It's the same word of Jesus' agony in the garden. Plant this in your mind. If you decide to live out Acts 1 8, then you can expect Acts 8 1 to happen to you. Again, if you live Acts 1 8, you can expect Acts 8 1 to happen to you. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible tells us that Jesus said, You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. If you do that, filled with God's Spirit, going out, being a witness, being bold, then you can expect Acts 8.1 to happen, which says, at that time, a great persecution arose that happened to the church in Jerusalem. But note, the Bible says, it's been granted unto you to suffer. It's been granted. The Bible sees suffering as a privilege. Why? Why? because it's on behalf of Christ. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted. That doesn't mean you need to go out and try to find it. It doesn't mean you need to go out and be obnoxious. So people will say, you weirdo. And you can go, hallelujah, I've been persecuted. No, <laughs> Jesus said, you're blessed if you're persecuted for righteousness sake, not for obnoxiousness sake. Don't walk up to somebody and think you're doing God a favor by saying, you uncircumcised Philistine, you're going to hell. I don't think you'll win a whole lot of people to Christ. But to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit will give you that boldness and that ability to hang in even through the agony. So man, are you ready to serve? Then to be ready to serve is to be ready to say, Lord, I need not only to be washed, but I need what can come with that to grow into maturity, to be filled with the Holy Spirit to impact this generation. There was a small town, and in this small town was a single Baptist church, and the pastor of the Baptist church was also the local barber. A man woke up one morning in town and he said, you know, I make enough money. I don't need to shave myself. I'm going to go down to the barber shop and have that pastor give me a good shave. He walked down to the barber shop. The pastor slash barber wasn't in that day, but his wife Grace was. Grace said, well, I do the shave, so come on in. And the man sat down and Grace lathered up this gentleman and took out the razor and brought it up his face, and shaved him nice and clean. And afterwards, the man said, how much do I owe you? She said, you owe me $50. He thought, $50? That's a steep price for a shave. But he paid it, and he thought, you know, I thought I'd come here every day, but at that price, I can do it myself. But he got up the next morning, and he felt his face, and he looked in the mirror, and it was as smooth as it was the day before when that lady shaved his face. He thought that was strange, but it was worth the 50 bucks. On the next day, the man woke up. And he looked in the mirror, and his face was still very smooth and perfect. He thought, I've never seen anything like this. On the third day, the man woke up, and once again, wouldn't you know it, his face was as smooth as a baby. Didn't need a shave at all. And he thought, now, now this is weird. Something's up. He went down to the barber shop. The pastor slash barber was there that day, and he said, you know, something really weird happened to me. I came in here for a shave three days ago, and my faith is still as perfect as it was back then. And the pastor smiled, and he said, oh, well, you've been shaved by grace. And once shaved, always shaved. Well, gentlemen, you've been saved, cleansed by God's grace through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And today, you are as clean before the throne of God as the day you came to Christ. But now's the time for maturity, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we bow our hearts for just a moment, you bow your heads and hearts with me. Let's ask the Lord to fill us fresh with that powerful supply that Paul spoke about here. Heavenly Father, we know it's not by might. We know it's not by our power. But it is by the supply of your Holy Spirit that third person of the Trinity who can so fill and control our lives that the work will get done and we will do it with great joy, consistency, bravery, and unity. And so, Father, fill us. Fill us afresh. Make us men filled with Your Holy Spirit, doing Your bidding, Your work, and that the world may know that Jesus Christ has been sent from heaven for the sins of all mankind. Use us. Make us bold and powerful. Your vessels in this world, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, man.